0: Hello, it's Tuesday, 13th of February. I'm Hannah Pearson. On today's show, Gary Bauman and I will discuss all things travel and tourism in Bali with our special guests, Simona Kimenti and Melina Caruso of the Bali Hotels Association. So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show.
1: Hello wherever you are in the world and thanks for listening in and a Happy New Year of the Dragon. So today we're going to deconstruct Bali's tourism recovery. Bali has bounced back impressively over the past year or so, but is about to implement a new tourist fee which is causing a degree of confusion amongst travelers and not a little bit of controversy too. To help us piece together the details and discuss the outlook for 2024, we're delighted to welcome back Simona Kimenti and Melina Caruso of the Bali Hotels Association. Simona and Melina were last on the show back in May 2023, and a great deal has happened since then. So Simona and Melina, thanks so much for coming back on the show. How are you doing today? And how's beautiful Bali right now?
2: Thanks for having us, um, Hannah and Gary. Good, Good to be back with you. Bali's doing well. Yeah, always good to be back with you guys. I can't believe it's been so long already.
1: <laughs> Time flies right, and this is a big week for for Indonesia. You have the presidential election is is there any election fever in in bali
2: uh, there there's a fair amount of election fever i think more so um on social media than actually on the ground in Bali but um all the polling booths are preparing um, uh, citizens will go out to vote from i think seven a m to one p m tomorrow. A lot of people go back to their villages and um, exercise their right to vote.
1: Yeah, big news. We'll be reading a lot about that over the next few days. So we've got a lot to talk about over the next 30 minutes or so. Let's start by recapping 2023. Can you, can you talk us through Bali's key visitor arrival statistics from the year? Uh, and how was the mix between Asia-Pacific and long-haul arrivals?
3: Right. So it was a very positive year, as you already pointed out. So we're definitely beyond the recovery period of two twenty two. Um, If we're looking at it from a statistical point of view, Asia Pacific made up about half of all the arrivals for last year. Um, There there was about 13% from ASEAN in general, and the rest was a split between Europe, US, Middle East, and a very small percentage for Africa. So no real surprises there in terms of statistics, let's say. If we're looking at it on a more global picture, was about five point nearly 5.3 million international visitors to bali Uh, and just to give you an idea how that compares to do we had 2.1 million arrivals international in the previous year so we've more than doubled the figures basically so we're we're doing very well um well i'll give you maybe a, a quick overview of what's the top five of our arrivals so number one of course is our favorite neighbors? It's still Australia, uh, by far the strongest component of international rivals, followed by India, China, UK, and then US and Canada.
0: A good mix, but like you said, yeah, Aus- Australia is not the the surprise uh, number one spot there. Uh, I think so, such the place to go right for Australians. I think is the it still is, yeah,
2: despite some competition from. Japan and New Zealand I
0: think we're still uh, we're still doing pretty good. So how did Bali Hotel Association hotels compare um, in 2023 compared to 2022 but also back to pre-pandemic as well 2019. Oh so I'll let uh, the hotelier comment here. Okay. <laughs> well I mean as we said
3: 22 was a recovery year and 23 was a very good year <clears throat> for for all of our properties in Bali Hotels Association. In terms of arrival numbers, we are still somewhat below 2019. However, the trend is very positive, but of course there are some markets, like for example China, that are not yet back to their full capacity.
1: And one of the issues around capacity is is flight connectivity. We, we're still seeing that across the region, uh, particularly from China, but not just from China. Uh, markets really haven't fully connected or reconnected since the pandemic. What were some of the important new flight connections in recent months to and from Bali? And where are there still gaps in connectivity and frequency? Okay,
2: I think um, we have about 37 airlines flying in to Bali at the moment. Um, interestingly, uh, Canberra just added um, two direct flights a week with Batik. Um, there's more flights coming in from Korea. Uh, I think we're, we're something like 27 flights or something coming in, and they're looking at, at increasing that. China, uh, we have a couple of direct flights, and there's more there's more flights coming uh, direct flights coming in besides. I think it's uh, Shanghai and Guangzhou. It's- Etihad is meant to be starting direct flights to Bali,
3: that which is the big new player on the Balinese market. They are scheduled for April. Uh, however, having said that they have advertised it, but there are currently no bookable flights on their website as of today. So I'm not sure if they have decided to push back the date and not Uh, announced it officially yet but that obviously will be a big game changer and a direct competition for the other Middle Eastern airlines so for Emirates and Qatar who are currently pretty much dominating the market especially for the European
2: connectivity. I think we have that one new flight too from India, um, Delhi, India that started in uh, early December with the there's been a few sales missions over to India and there's hope that there will be a few more direct flights from other cities as well.
0: Yeah, because that's interesting, isn't it? That Indians are the, I think you were saying, um, Simona, they were, they were the second biggest source market into Bali. But yet, actually, the, in terms of direct flights, it's pretty limited, right? So it's, it's interesting that they're really, they're finding a way. <laughs> right? This lack of connectivity is not holding them back from heading to Bali.
2: No, not at all.
3: They're going out of their way to make connecting flights to go to Bali, which obviously may also be a chance for them to do a sort of a two-destination holiday uh, on the way here. But there are more flights coming online, and I know there's been a lot of lobbying to try to get more direct flights because it is already our second international uh, largest arrival number, and there is certainly a lot more potential to go there.
1: Okay, so we'll come back to India in a moment, but let's look at the domestic market because that is huge. Um, And you posted on LinkedIn a few days ago about the size of the domestic market to Bali. And I think that raised a lot of interest because it's huge. So tell us about um, Bali's domestic recovery and the hotel occupancies.
2: Okay, well, in terms of um, numbers into Bali, in 2023, it was uh, almost $10 which was an increase uh, from 2022, which was around 8 million. I mean, it's virtually double what we bring in internationally. It's always been a very important source market for Bali, Um, you know, uh, domestic market travel, you know, long weekends, school holidays, all the different uh, festive periods as well. But, You know, we do, even with those numbers, I think we face a little bit of a challenge um, where the traveler may think about going to uh, Thailand, Singapore, Korea, or Japan maybe. So I think that when you look at the airfare structure as well, the domestic um, airfares competing with international airfares as well, because the domestic fares are not always that cheap. So uh, there is a little concern for Bali. but I don't at this point with that, those kind of numbers, uh, a little bit of a dip wouldn't be, you know, I don't think you'd notice. But um, the Indonesian market, ha- even during uh, COVID and we, we had people travelling and it really um, was a very important source market for us.
3: Yeah, for sure. They were incredibly resilient. And if ever they they took great advantage, as we discussed during our pandemic podcast, they took, of course, advantage of the fact that they had the island all to themselves during uh, during pandemic. But for sure, with a growing middle class and the sort of a growing propensity to travel abroad, there are obviously key destinations. Um, that are gaining more and more interest in terms of outbound travel for the Indonesian market
0: that's super interesting, and I think um uno I think was was talking about last week how he wanted to try and encourage more Indonesians to holiday domestically, and they were saying that they had identified that people were going overseas for shopping for medical tourism, and for um religious travel, and that they they were trying to find and highlight like these alternatives within Indonesia. Um, that they could travel to as opposed to having to go overseas. But like you say, it's it's almost kind of an aspirational thing, isn't it, to go overseas. Um, so it's it's hard to to match like for like, I suppose, in that respect.
2: I think a lot of countries uh, are the same, you know, to try to keep their, their travellers, you know, travelling domestically versus travelling internationally. It's always good for the economy. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot is being done in Bali. So we
3: have obviously the... We have this new, um, uh, the special economic zone in Sanur that is taking off this year with a new international hospital and wellness facilities, which is also targeted at the uh, wealthy Indonesian travelers, trying exactly to sway the medical tourism that would normally head to Singapore or Bangkok or Hong Kong to actually take advantage of international level facilities here in Bali. So it's definitely a segment that the government is investing quite a lot of efforts in.
0: So switching track then from domestic back to international, um, if we look at January 2024 arrivals, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, Australia is way out front, but you, you'd probably expect that given that, you know, much of Australia takes January off. How about the other markets? What are we seeing so far going into
2: 2024? Um, I think that India, China... And Korea are, are certainly um, hot on the heels as there's, there's still quite a gap but booking windows for those markets are quite are quite short so it'll be interesting. There's the, uh, I think in March there's another direct flight coming in um, so we could possibly see an increase in, in these numbers um, uh, once the, the, the flights uh, become a bit more easy as well. I mean, we are also in, in obviously
3: in the quieter um, part of of the year for Bali. It is uh, now weather, weather aside, it is the quieter season uh, and generally February and March tend to be a bit softer month. Um, but we are seeing very good forward bookings starting from quarter two onwards. So I would say that the trend is definitely positive for 224 as well.
1: Just circling back to India, you mentioned the, the second-largest international market last year. Since the since the pandemic, even actually pre-pandemic, but certainly since the pandemic, we've seen this great interest um, from destinations to target Indian travelers from secondary cities as well as the main metro cities in India. We've also, we know that the airlines, particularly Air India, uh, has bought so many new planes which it's going to have to operate across the region and, and internationally. Over the coming years, we're not quite sure yet how it will deploy those. Um, But there is a lot of buzz about the Indian market. So are you seeing any particular strategies being put in place to add, you know, to this Indian market coming to Bali? The reason I say that is if you go back about 10 or 11 years ago, you remember that phrase China ready? Everybody wanted to be China ready so that, you know, hotels, destinations, uh, resorts, uh, restaurants, you know, everybody could understand different uh, types of preferences of Chinese travelers. Is there anything similar to that uh, regarding Indian travelers in Bali?
2: Yes, there 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 is. There are certain um, hotels, and and we have a uh, the association of um, sale uh, the sales man- managers. I think Buscom, mm-hmm. yeah, the Buscom Bas- Group. Who, Francisca, who was our chairwoman last year, she uh, went on a um, sales mission to India. Um, there are a group of hotels that are understanding the dietary needs of the Indian market, that's very important. Also Bali Hotels Association will be undertaking a, a roadshow um, later in the year. We've got one happening in Australia in March and we will be undertaking one um, in the middle of the year to India as well. So we're really we do recognise that that they have particular needs, and there are definitely hotels that are prepared to cater to those needs. It's obviously, an e- to
3: some extent, it's an easier market than China to cater for because the language barrier isn't there. Uh, yes, as Melina pointed out, it's very the diet requirements are obviously quite important, but Bali is fairly. Um, you know, f- a fairly wide market in food and beverage anywhere, anyway at this stage. So there is a lot of facilities in place. A lot of the Indian market tends to be generational travel and family travel. So there is quite a bit of gearing up in that direction, definitely.
0: How about for the Chinese market? I mean, you, you were just saying that, Simona, it's, it's obviously more more difficult in, in some respects to target the Chinese market, but it's still a, a big, big market for Bali. How are things looking for 2024 so far? Are arrivals and you know, kind of those international flight connections up for Chinese New Year? Are they still booking fairly um, short windows? Very
2: short windows, Hannah. And I think that the Chinese government too has done a good program with their, you know, keeping their, their tourists at home as well. So perhaps we haven't quite seen the comeback yet that we we want to see, but um, I mean, there is an increase in arrivals. So it's just that we don't have that long-term forecast due to the, the short booking window. Yeah,
3: it's not the Chinese market. It used to be pre-pandemic, that's for sure. Um, it's questionable at this stage whether those numbers will ever come back and, and how long it will take because obviously uh, flight connections other than a new flight coming on board from Shaoan uh, in March, there isn't much else on the outlook at the moment. So numbers will grow, but they will grow relatively in the in the long term, let's say. And as opposed to the short booking windows, yeah, it doesn't make it very easy uh, to to forecast arrival numbers. I think that's one of the reasons why Bali is starting to defer, differentiate a bit more and not putting as many eggs or as much hope as they used to into the Chinese market.
1: Interesting insights there. So I referenced this in the intro, that Bali is introducing the new international tourism levy. I think that goes into effect tomorrow, the 14th of February. So tell us more. How much is it? Who needs to pay it? And how do tourists actually pay the charge?
2: Okay. Um, well, if you go to welcome uh, back to Bali com, uh, there is a video that takes you through how to make the payment. Um, it's one hundred and fifty thousand rupiah, uh, approximately ten US dollars uh, per person, um, uh, adults and children of all ages, and you pay it. Um, uh, every time you enter uh, Bali internationally. So if you come into Bali and then perhaps say go off to Lombok when you come back, um, you don't have to pay it again. Or if you go to Jogja or Surabaya, as long as you stay within Indonesia in that 60-day period, you only pay that fee once. There is a big push to ensure that it's paid before you arrive uh, you arrive in Bali um, but there are counters um, also available for you to pay upon arrival as well we are seeing that there <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a few little things to iron out and I'm sure in the next coming weeks we may see some slight you know revisions made to perhaps the flow at the airport or whatever if you're coming in on a on a, a ship, uh, at port um, we have information that the most likely the ground handling agent will be taking care of the payments for the tourism levy because they are encouraging some endpoint um, partners uh, travel agents destination marketing companies to be able to collect the fee um, and uh, pay it to the government and the traveler getting their qr code Um, interestingly when you do use the app or the website one qr code one transaction so if you're a family of four you have to do the the transaction four times we're hoping they will review this but at this stage it's um if you're a family of four you need to um, enter your name your passport, your email and your date of
0: arrival and pay four times. Got it. Thanks for the the rundown. But I mean, what I'm impressed about in a way is, and this is something that I think Gary and I have been talking about for years and years is, of course, Thailand's tourism tax, right? And they've, they've been talking about wanting to do a tourism fee of 300 Thai Bart for the longest time and they've just never figured out how to actually implement it. So I, I suppose credit there to Bali for actually figuring out how to implement it, even if it's not you know, perfect right now. No, I'm sure that,
2: that we'll see some, some improvements made. It looks good on paper, but, you know, in the reality, once once it's, you know, uh, implemented, then there might be some fine tuning that ha- has to happen. But yeah, kudos. I mean, you know, the money is going to help in, in three key areas, uh, waste management, tourism services and cultural heritage. So we hope that you know there'll be a a very physical impact impact. Yeah, impact absolutely yeah. that we'll see from that money collected
0: so has the move then been welcomed by the tourism industry as a way to kind of mitigate some of these issues that bali is facing or has the tourism industry been a bit more skeptical thinking oh this is another barrier for us to to you know, regain our pre-pandemic tourism levels no i don't think no. no
3: i don't think it's been welcomed in a negative way i mean Uh, again, it's not uncommon. There are many other countries in Southeast Asia who have implemented similar fees, whether they are collected as part of the airline ticket or whether they are collected separately. Um, And I think ultimately, it is a a very good fund to obviously uh, fight some common problems. Like we know the waste management is an ongoing issue and every so often it gains traction in the media. So the idea that there will be actually funds to impact that directly and that may benefit in first place also the tourism experience and anything that is done for infrastructure as well in terms of roads and transportation. All of that will be for direct benefits of the visitors of Bali. So overall, it's I think there has been no negative connotation to it so far.
2: No, and we're not hearing any negative sentiments either. I mean, you know... There was a little bit of confusion at one stage whether the the visa on arrival was going to be removed for the top visitor countries to Bali, but that was just talk. Um, but so visitors arriving need to pay their visa on arrival still, which is five hundred thousand plus. The tourism um, levy uh, of 150,000.
1: Yeah, thanks for clearing that, Million. I was just going to ask you about that. So, if you do arrive, say you haven't paid your tourism levy or you haven't paid your visa on arrival before you arrive, do you pay them at the same place or do you have to go to two different counters?
2: They're two different counters.
1: Let's talk about some of the other issues impacting travel and tourism now, but also going forward. And there have been a few media reports of growing tensions between locals and tourists in Bali, particularly related to traffic on the island, which we know at certain times has been quite heavy and quite congested. What's being done to mitigate that? I mean, is there anything that can be done?
3: I mean, I think this it's really nothing new. The only thing maybe that changes is that social media sort of amplifies and and gives it a, a larger platform than it has in the past. I mean, as usual, there is the majority of tourists are very well behaved, but there's always a few... Um, that sort of fall off the track um, and make themselves noticed uh, in the least pleasant ways. Um, It's just really a matter of uh, respecting, first of all, the laws uh, governing traffic uh, and in general the laws of Indonesia, and secondly, of course, also a good portion of common sense. Um, It ultimately remains obviously in the hand of the authorities um, but there has been steps also taken to kind of limit a bit the essentialization of all of this and to avoid uh, people playing a bit uh, police uh, um, on social media and to mitigate a bit the effect. So if there is uh, anything happening that is not in respect of the local laws, then it should be reported to the police and ultimately they are the ones who should uh, look after that
2: yeah the Bali tourism uh, police have been uh, back on the beat um, on the beach and on the roads. Uh, I think they've only just come back on board in the last week or so, and there's a whole PR campaign around you know them being just around and warning people, you know if they see them doing things that you know uh, go against the do's and don'ts uh, that we have here in Bali. I remember. Uh, not so long ago, we had the um, Australian consul as part of one of our meetings, and they were actually saying that um, there are a lot more issues with Australian visitors in Thailand than there are in Bali. It just seems, for some reason, we
0: Bali gets amplified on social media and in the Australian press. That's interesting. I love what you, you said, Simona, You know all about social media amplifying these things, and I you know, and I think particularly is still we're coming out of the pandemic, well, we've come out of the pandemic, but we're still in this phase of recovery. And the media just love anything tourism, love any tourists behaving badly, stories to get more eyeballs, I suppose. So yeah, there's there's definitely an, an element of that too, I think.
3: Correct. It's, it's mostly about, it just makes more fun, right? When you see somebody misbehaving, it's just human nature to think that is fun. And maybe in the past, that would have been a story told to friends and family. And now, obviously, it quickly gets a few million views on social media whenever there is somebody who behaves badly online.
0: So switching track, kind of literally, what's the latest update on the proposed Bali railway development? Because I keep seeing things about there being a railway. What, what's happening with that? It's had, the,
2: in theory, the go ahead for quite some time. But... There've been some adjustments made along the way and we understand the latest is that it's to go underground in the hope that it will uh alleviate some of the uh traffic congestion on the island we've we have some maps that show us that there's a a loop around the entire island that 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 will be happening with the focus on the southern part of the island so we'll just see what happens There, there apparently um, supposed to break, be breaking ground sometime this year. Yeah, it looks like the plans are finally uh,
3: taking shape. But yeah, it's a very long-term project. It's a very ambitious project in size as well. So I think for the moment, the focus is mainly on the southern part of Bali uh, and on connecting the main tourism destinations on the west and on the east coast with the airport. So this is where it's going to kick off. Uh, But yeah, we're also waiting and see. There's been a lot of changes over the years. Uh, So we'll see how and when this materializes, but it will be a bit of time, I think, until we see the first trains running through.
1: So, Simona and Melina, we've covered a lot of ground today. I guess one area we probably have to look at just before we finish is sustainability. It's an unavoidable topic in tourism, and particularly in a destination of such natural beauty as as Bali. Uh, The Bali Hotels Association recently partnered with Sungai Watch uh, on a project to tackle plastic pollution. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
2: Yeah, we um, at the end of last year we we held a fundraiser um, as part of um, our annual general meeting. Um, we opened it up. Uh, we had a silent auction and we raised quite a lot of money. And we installed uh, some trash barriers in rivers that were that Sungai Watch had designated of um, having issues with. Um, Trash being thrown upriver, and so that some of our board members jumped into the river and helped uh, the the team install that. Um, we also had uh, we had our sustainability market at the end of the year, which focused on local suppliers and and you know using local products, connecting buyers and sellers. We also all our members. Uh, I think last year we managed to divert about uh, 31,000 kilos of food waste, uh, resulting in about 133,000 meals to the local community in 2023. So our members are very much dedicated to um, fostering, you know, a good collaboration with sustainability practices and and our local community. We are really trying to leverage
3: the partnerships with associations like Sungai Watch, Uh, who does the river barriers and scholars of sustenance who looks after redistributing surplus food wastage because these are very hands-on and their impact is immediately visible right so the river barriers are actually very simple barriers they are floating but they basically catch all the garbage before it reaches the ocean so it provides an actually effective and efficient way to collect that garbage in one point and it's also great project for community involvement because it basically shows the local community what they can do and how they can keep their river um, in proximity of their homes clean. So it really provides a a sort of an educational experience for local communities as well. And yeah, and Scholars of Sustenance does an amazing job in using the food surplus that all large hotels have anyway, um, and redistributing those meals to, to the people in need. So it, it's really nice to see how this project really interlink Bali Hotel Association and the local community to create a tangible impact and to to really show that you don't need to start big, but you just need to get started and be consistent in your efforts to try to change something.
0: Yeah, I love that. Don't need to start big, but just at least get started. Right. That's that's the main message. And those the like fantastic initiatives that you've um, been working on. And so you talked about food waste management um, just now. But how about just waste management in general? We were just talking about how some of the um, tourist levy is going to go towards waste management, and it's just a big issue in the tourism industry in general. So what kind of steps are BHA members taking to minimize, repurpose um, waste products other than food?
3: I think it's such a big problem, as you mentioned, that it needs to be looked at from all angles. So obviously, the most obvious one is the management of existing waste and that is something that is being addressed at government level in terms of replacing landfills with more effective um uh, waste uh, burning facilities and trying to find alternatives but at the source we're also trying to see where can we simply limit the use because ultimately it goes down to promoting the use of alternative and biodegradable materials getting rid of all these one-way uh, plastic uh, items that are still very prominent um, in in the not only in hotels but obviously also in food and beverage establishments etc and trying to find ways to reuse and recycle so it's really not just one uh, action but it's more of sort of like a It's a conglomerate of different actions um, that we're trying to do and to attack the problem from different angles. So there's still a very long way to go. Uh, I think hotels are doing quite well, at least on the elimination of the single use plastic in the guest experience, which is already a big step. Um, A lot of it is now down also to you know, reaching a bit more the community and the smaller establishments. And it's a lot of it is ultimately about education and trying to change the ways things are done. So moving, for example, to
2: recyclable food packaging would make a huge impact on an island like Bali. Yeah, I think the tourism levy, we're hoping that um, some of those funds get diverted to a, a big education program as well in the community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's it's all about everybody coming together, right? It's, hotels can only do so much in isolation, but they also need the support from the public policy. They need the support from the local communities as well to really make a tangible difference um, that want to will keep going, right? Rather than a kind of one-off.
3: Correct, and you need to attack the problem from all angles, right? How to how to save in the first place how to reuse and then that unavoidable part of uh, waste, how then to best, um, where possible, how to best repurpose it uh, and how to best treat it and ideally switch where possible to renewable or recyclable
0: resources. Yes, it sounds like you at PHA are making a good, well, a great start on that. So... With that, that comes to the end of today's podcast. So I'd love to thank uh, Melina and Simona. Thank you so much for, for coming back with us. I can't believe that you said it's been almost one year that we've not spoken. So much has happened since then. Thanks for having us.
3: Always a pleasure. We look forward to
0: talking to you again soon. Wonderful. And of course, we hope you all enjoyed the podcast too. And don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments on what we discussed with Simona and Melina or what we missed out. You can message us on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show.
1: Yep, thanks to Simona and Melina for some fascinating insights. Bali is always uh, a great talking point and uh, I'm sure that the listeners around the world will appreciate our updates on, on what's happening in this, this beautiful destination. So you can also catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, the seasiatravelshow.com and you can search for the show on any international podcast platform.
0: So that's a wrap for today, but we'll be back next week with a special show to mark the 200th episode of the Southeast Asian Travel Show. Speak to you then.